The Penguins are finally over 500 after their 4 nothing shutout victory over the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday night. And for today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap that game, plus get you all set for a huge week ahead for this team. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by the best co-host on the planet, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Cinnamon for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So, Penguins 4, Sabres a nice goose egg on Saturday night as the Penguins get to 7-6 and six overall. Four wins in a row for a team that started off the season 3-6 and six out of the basement of the Metropolitan Division and ahead of the New York Islanders who have been really bad right now. And checks notes, Penguins only four points out of second place in the division, two points out of third place, which is being held by the Washington Capitals. So the Penguins right back in the thick of the playoff race after this nice four-game winning streak, banking points when they need to. And I was at that game on Saturday night with my uncle. And overall, man, I was really impressed with the Penguins in this game. I thought they came out like their heads were on fire. To be honest, they were really taking it to the Sabres in the early parts of that game. And yeah, the Sabres were getting some shots on goal, but I still thought the Penguins had the better of the play in that first period. Yes, it does help that the Sabres played the night before against the Wild. The Angel schedule makers welcomed the Penguins back with a team that played the night before. But overall, I thought the Penguins played a really complete game, offense, defense, special teams, and goaltending. And I continue to be amazed at how the Penguins play this. I said this on Twitter lower event type style where they're not taking as many risks. They're not pinching as aggressively as they were earlier on in the season. And they continue to do a great job limiting these scoring chances for the other team to the outside. They're not giving up a lot of these high danger chances. And in all situations in this game, the Sabres only had 11 high danger chances. That is a very good job by the Penguins to make Tristan Jari's life a bit easier. That's another reason why he's continuing to play well, but also continuing to play really sound defense. Mike Sullivan has identified that he can't play or he can't have his team play, excuse me, the same style of play that won them cups in 2016-17. And you've seen him make the adjustments, honestly, ever since that Colorado game. And it's really paid dividends during this working winning streak. I just really continue to be amazed by the commitment to defense that the Penguins are playing in front of their own net. I've seen so many takes out there before, even in the last couple of years, that Penguins are so soft in front of their net. They're not clear in the net front and all this stuff. Well, during this four-game winning streak, I think they've done a great job around the net front and just getting the chances to the perimeter and not giving up those big scoring chances. But overall, Pat, I'm really liking the progress that I'm seeing on the defensive side of the rank, just to start off the show here. I like what you said what you said about low event but you know I would actually take that caveat that you used and rather than call it low event I'm going to call it low risk because It's not very Chosaki you just want to put that out there. Right. It's not that. Go ahead. Right. They're not they're not becoming a defense first kind of team. They're not becoming a boring slow it down play a 1-3-1 neutral zone trap kind of team. 
But what they're doing is they're dialing back the pressure on the four check in the offensive zone. They're dialing back the pressure in the neutral zone and they're committing to staying within the confines of their defensive zone system and letting the game come to them rather than trying to create something out of nothing. And you saw that against the Sabres uh, over the weekend because you look at both the eye test and the analytics. They limited Buffalo, a team that has some pretty good offensive talent on its roster, to next to nothing. And it was because they... And again, I'm not saying that they're playing the neutral zone trap because they're not, but the style of pressure and style of system that they're playing in the neutral zone baits these teams into either taking high risk passes or making high risk passes, excuse me, that go all the way across the ice and have a very limited rate of success, or it's causing them to go one on two or one on three or two on four as they come through the neutral zone and try to get into the defensive zone or the offensive zone, the Penguins defensive zone. And that leads to quick breakouts, which that is how they're winning games. Now it's not what they did in 16 and 17, where they overwhelmed you at all three levels, where they swarmed the puck in the defensive zone, where they swarmed the puck in the neutral zone, where they sent two hard four checkers in on the puck in the offensive zone. They've dialed that back a little bit, partially because they don't have the same speed they did in those years. And that's not, all, that's not so much an indictment of them as it is just the reality of the league. Every team has speed. Now the Penguins exploited that market efficiency inefficiency in 16 and 17 and went on to win back-to-back Stanley cups. Now every team is replicating that because if you become the first team in the salary cap era, an era explicitly created to avoid back-to-back championships, Teams are going to replicate that. It also shows that Mike Sullivan understands the team that he has. He's going to do that preferred system from 16 and 17 to start the year, because why wouldn't you? It's brought you a ton of success over the past almost decade. But he saw only 10 or so games in, this isn't working. And he has made the correct adjustment. And for everybody that was ready to toss him out just 10 games into the year, You have to give him the credit now because he acknowledged this system was not working and not leading to success and has all but said it's in the trash. Now we have a we have adjusted, we have adapted and we're playing a different brand of hockey now. I think that's what separates a mediocre coach from an actual good coach. And I think that's what Mike Sullivan is. He is a good coach. He's able to make adjustments on the fly because I think a lot of coaches in this league, they won't adjust to what their team is and at least them getting fired. I mean, I'm not going to say that's what happened with Jay Woodcroft and Edmonton. I think Ken Holland should have been the first to go there. But someone was always going to be the fall guy there, even though I think he was probably one of the better coaches in the league. But you've seen a lot of coaches over the years just get canned because they're not – they don't want to change what's brought them success. And you're seeing – We saw it here. We saw it here with the last two coaches. Right. Dan Dan Bilesma didn't want to get rid of the stretch pass, and he didn't want to get rid of selling out on defense at the cost of offense. And then Mike Johnston wanted this team to be defense first – and that's just not in their DNA or the roster makeup. So right. it's not like it's an unfamiliar thing here in Pittsburgh. Right. Now, I, I agree with that. And one last more, I think, before we head to break. I do want to say, when I was watching this game in person, and then I checked some of the stats after, it was really nice seeing the Penguins win the battles in the neutral zone. They really made it hard on the Sabres to gain the zone with control throughout that game. When I was noticing 
the Sabres, they were just basically dumping the puck in every time. And of course, that, that leads to a head start for the Penguins trying to break the puck out of their own zone. And I feel like I've noticed that quite a bit over this four-game winning streak, Pat, where Penguins are really winning the battle before the puck comes into their zone. And they're getting the puck out with ease because they're winning the neutral zone. And again, I'm not the greatest X's and O's guy. I try my best, people. I, I try to be the best as I can with X's and O's. I'm not nearly as, as good as some other people are. But that's at least what I was noticing or my expert trained eye on that is that they're starting to win more battles in the neutral zone and it's leading to better breakouts. And then the Penguins have the puck a lot more often in the offensive zone. And that leads to cycling, getting more chances. But I've really noticed that a lot throughout these last four games, I think. Well, you may not be the best X's and O's guy, but you nailed that one because they win the neutral zone for no other reason than they win the neutral zone numbers game. Yeah, they've been winning battles along the wall and they've been beating other teams to pucks in this in this win streak. But if you freeze frame when an opponent crosses the red line and tries to make it into the Penguins zone, you more than more often than not, the Penguins have two defensemen back and two forwards and they have the third forward not far behind. So they're leading teams into a quagmire in the neutral zone to where their options are extremely limited to where it's either try to beat four guys on my own, or I'm just going to have to chip the puck deep because I've got no other options, but because the Penguins have four guys back and a third guy and a fifth guy not far behind, it's a kickstarted breakout because all that first defenseman has to do is go retrieve the puck. Mm. The second defenseman has to cover the front of the net. The wingers get to their boards or to their high, uh, uh, high on the circles, and the center just has to swing through on support. And that's a quick breakout. And not only is it a quick breakout, it's a quick breakout with puck support. So it's feeding into a transition game that isn't the same one that they've used over the past few years or when they won the Stanley Cup, but a similar kind of one where they're coming up the ice with good numbers. They're coming up the ice with, hey, I, I'm going to get to the red line and I'm going to have three or four different options. I can go simple and chip it deep and go to work. I can take it myself and cross into the blue line with possession, or I'm going to have a guy coming late with speed that I can hit with the puck. And he's going to get us a clean entrance into the offensive zone. So the adjustments in the neutral zone really have been the key to this team's success, especially with four wins, four straight wins. I agree. And I mean, we saw even more evidence of that in the Kings game last week when, you know, you saw that puck battle between Eric Carlson and Quinn Byfield. The Penguins are able to win it. You start the breakout with Marcus Pedersen, gets it to Gensel, then Carlson joins the play. And then, boom, you're in the offensive zone. And then that leads to Jake Gensel's goal. Tic-tac-toe, what do you know? And the Penguins, it also starts with them winning that battle in the neutral zone, then winning that battle in the defensive zone because they have support back, getting the puck out quickly. That leads to a scoring chance. The puck is in the back of the net there. It's stuff like that and then stuff we saw in the game against the Sabres that you just discussed that really has this team humming in the neutral zone and defensively. And I really hope that continues going forward because I really like the style of play that they're playing. It just and it suits a team that, let's face it, they're a bit older to say the least. If you can't win the speed game, win the numbers game. That's the biggest thing when it comes to uh, schematics and systems is if you know you don't have the speed to beat a team on the outside – have more people in the neutral zone or supporting the puck than they do. And you give yourself more options and more opportunities to put your opponent at a disadvantage. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. But that will wrap up this first segment of today's episode. Coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to get into more discussion about what's really leading to the recent success of this team. And we're going to get into some individual performances from this last Saturday's game. And trust me, there's quite a few. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by a co-host, Patrick Damp. So, Pat, let's get into some of the individual performances from this game. And let's start with Evgeny Malkin. That goal is hilarious, to say the least. Just backhand roof job from behind the net. Pekka Lukin had no idea it was coming. Basically tried to get out of the way from my vantage point behind the net. And Gino's celebration was honestly just hilarious. He was just laughing about it, and all his teammates came over to laugh about it as well. But this just continues to show that Gino is feeling himself this year. He's off to one heck of a start. Eight goals, 16 points in 13 games, tied for the team league in points, I should say, with Jake Ensel. But eight goals already. He has been phenomenal to start this season and is making my bull prediction of him hitting 90-plus points this season look pretty good because, man, he is on another level. And I don't think enough people in the fan base are talking about it. He's well on pace for that prediction to look very good come the end of the season should things keep on the track they're on. Uh, The thing that's funny to me, and I know I've said it on the pod before, is that I know that in this era, people don't like plus minus. It is a bit outdated, and I don't disagree. I do... I, I do think once you get north or south of 10, whether you're a, a dash 10 or a plus 10, it does still have some value. But like right now, Evgeny Malkin's at an even. He's at a, he's he's not plus or minus. But I do think what people are failing to see here, and not a lot, I think it's actually being noticed by a lot more people than not, but Evgeny Malkin is not sacrificing defense for offense he's got eight goals eight assists 16 points tied for the team lead he's off to a great start but he's playing some of the finest overall hockey he has played not just recently but in his entire career he's a force in the defensive zone he's he's a presence back there now it's not just he's doing what he has to do as the center he's contributing to this team playing a stout defensive game in front of Kristen Jari, Alex Nadelkovich, Magnus Helberg, whomever they have in the net. And when you've got Gino playing all 200 feet, it makes me laugh because I know it's kind of an age thing. But if he had been doing this forever, imagine the conversations we'd be having about him now. He wouldn't have been left off the top 100. He would constantly get heart vote, heart votes. And there would be the discussion of is is Sidney Crosby even the greatest player on his own team? Because Evgeny Malkin is a lot like Mario Lemieux in the sense that he's got this absurd size, but he's also got skill. He's also got speed. He's also got grace. But 
if you piss him off, he's a brute too. <laughs> when was the last time we saw a commitment to 200 feet from Evgeny Malkin at this level? Because I've been trying to think about that heading into the show, and I feel like I can't put a full season on it. When I say 2016, maybe, but I don't even know if that would be true either because I feel like this is might be the best defensive hockey I've seen of Kenny Malkin play. Even though he's been great in the offensive zone, has the goals, has the points, this might be the best defensive hockey I've seen him play for as long as I've been watching him. And that's obviously been his whole career. But he's just been a force in the defensive zone, taking the puck away like it's nothing, playing really strong in his own end. I, don't, I may not have seen him ever play this good defensively, to be honest. I would say it's been a little over a decade. And the last time he did it was when he won the Hart Trophy in 2012. And he was he was the best player in the world that season. And yes. it was not exactly a close competition. No, it was not. And I hope and I was the word I'm looking for. I, I guess I just I hope that he should be entering the conversation for the Hart Trophy this year. More people in the national media need to be discussing how good of Kenny Malkin has been this year because Everyone here can see how good he's been. The Penguins beat reporters and you and I who cover the team and everyone else who covers the team can see it. But hopefully this leads to more of a national recognition for Evgeny Malkin with what he's doing despite being in his late 30s because it's kind of gone under the radar in the first month of the season so far. And I just hope he keeps playing this level so that more people give him the credit that he deserves Outside of Gino, though, Eric Carlson had another ridiculous game. He has 13 points in 13 games. Had the first goal where it looked like Sid changed direction when I was watching it live, but then I saw the replay and it just went off one of the Sabres. I believe it was his shin pad or skate. What was one of the two? Carlson gets that first goal, and then he gets the empty netter, really put the game away. He continues to play at a very high level, looking like the Eric Carlson that, you know, maybe not as good as he was last year, but looking like the Eric Carlson that, I've grown accustomed to watching as I grew up. He's been awesome for the Penguins. He doesn't have to be the Eric Carlson of last year. No. He had to be Eric, the Eric Carlson of last year because he was the only player just about that San Jose had. If he didn't score, nobody was going to. This year, doesn't have to score. He's got plenty of help around him. And if he chips in at a point-per-game pace, 82, 85, 86, whatever points this year, done more than his job. So – and – Again, just like we were talking about with Malkin, we have to talk about his defensive game because it's been pretty good. And I don't think – I mean, one, it shows how low we set the bar. But Pat, I I was told by rival fans that he can't play defense. There's a lot – like, listen, we can be facetious about it all we want, but there was a lot of evidence that he was not a good defensive defenseman. Hey, I know he ranked in the zero percentile for – Jay Fresh to chart at five on five. I was messing around a little bit, but it's fun to see at least him dunk on some of the haters. A yeah. Little bit. I had yeah. A little bit and we, but at the same time, everybody also freaked the hell out when Sullivan had that talk about, Oh, we're, you know, we want to help him become a better defenseman. And it's like how like one, it showed how little national people pay attention to individual teams, which is understandable. They're covering the entire league. There's 32 teams and 82 games for each team. And that's so many games, but like at the same time, this is what Sullivan does. He's not going to let you play to your weakness. He's going to let you play to your strength 
and help you get better at your weakness. Because look at when all of this discussion about Crosby becoming an underrated defensive forward started. Wasn't under Dan Bilesma. Wasn't under Mike Johnston. Was under Mike Sullivan. And now it's happening with Eric Carlson. Oh, he's not this great of a defenseman. He doesn't do great on defense. He's basically a fourth forward, blah, 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 blah. And yes, small sample size, long season left, but he's been pretty good defensively. He's, we don't need him to be a stay at home defenseman. We don't need him to shut the other team down, but he's moving the puck really well. He's keeping chances to the outside. He's got a really good expected goals percentage. Maybe Mike Sullivan's on to something. Him and Marcus Patterson have been great together. After those first maybe couple of rough games, if you want to even call them that, to start the season, they've really grown into a really steady pairing for this team, and I've really liked the look of it. Outside of that, let's just get to the talk about Tristan Jari now. Another shutout on this season. Three leads the NHL in shutouts, and I got some numbers for you. He ranks 13th in the NHL, 3.5 goals saved above expected, 920 save percentage, has a better save percentage than one, Connor Hellebuck, and two, UC Soros. And yet Tristan Jari, I feel like, has been one of the most inconsistent goalies in the league this year. That said, it is nice to see him play at this level for the last two and a half to three games. He's looked like a different goaltender, but we've said this a lot. We want to see him do this at a consistent level. And hopefully this style of play that the Penguins are playing with less risk and maybe lower event, as I like to call it, is going to help him even more going forward as it's already helped him because he's not seeing as many high danger chances. But we have to give him credit. The $5 million man is starting to play like the $5 million man. And that's massive for this team's chances this year. I thought he looked very aggressive in net in that game against Buffalo. Moving side to side, he was very solid. Hit that chance on Jeff Skinner that could have been called a penalty shot, to be honest, in that game. But made a really nice pad save on him. Made a couple really nice saves on the Sabres from in type for the chances that they did get. And just played an all-around really good game. Even though he was coming back from that swollen eye, I know a couple people were probably thinking, oh, is he coming back too early? We've seen that happen with the Penguins before. Nope, he looked just fine. And Carried over the play that he was playing at when he was playing against the Ducks last week and then before that as well. Since that Ducks loss, he and probably the rest of the team, I should say, have looked a lot different. And it's nice seeing him play at this level. I just want to see it on a more consistent basis because when he's at this level, he's a good goalie. We just got to see him more often, man. I mean, listen, since the Ducks loss, which I do think might be the Nexus event for this season, yeah, that wakes them up. But Against San Jose, 24 saves. Against Anaheim, 20 saves. Against Buffalo, 35 saves. Uh, when Chicago came to town, 32 saves. Those are all the games where he had a save percentage above 900, not counting two shutouts against Washington and Colorado. When he has this kind of workload and does this, he's getting to play pretty well. But as I've said to a couple people, amazing how a slight tweak to the system that keeps teams to the outside and Jari playing above 900 goaltending leads to wins. We have said it 
all year long and all off season long. We said it too after the after he got re-signed. He does not have to be Igor Shesterkin. He does not have to go out and win the Vezina. He just has to not lose games. And yes, the the two shutouts are nice. And we can I'm counting Anaheim as a shutout, even though he went out as injured. He didn't give up any goals before he got hurt. In fact, he made 20 saves, so it's uh, pretty solid. But all he has to do is not lose games. Not be your career average at 914. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. And he's been above that his last three starts. And I just really hope that it continues because he is playing really sound hockey right now. So kudos to him. Gets his third shutout. 3.5 goals saved above expected, 920 save percentage, despite the inconsistencies. I will take those numbers any freaking day. And one last thing, Pat, before we do head to break, before we get to the week ahead for the Penguins, Drew O'Connor gets his first goal of the season on Saturday. A little bit of a softie from Uka Pekalugan, let's be real here, but you'll take those bounces anytime you can. Overall, again, solid game from the third line as a whole. I thought Lars Eller was all over the ice again. Redeem Zahorna had a couple solid chances, but Drew O'Connor, really nice first goal. And gave a look to the heavens after. It's like, thank God I finally got my first one because he's had chances this year. But maybe that'll open the floodgates for him a little bit. Just nice to see him get that first one. Uka Pekka Lukanen, love saying it. But yes, um, you take those every time, especially when you're in a slump. And whatever it takes to bust the slump, if that's it, that's it. And I think it's just indicative of the team as a whole. We're starting to see the goals go in. We're starting to see the process pay off. You know, the numbers and all the charts show it. This team gets... A ton of chances, a ton of shots, and they're supposed to be scoring, but for some reason they're not. And in the last week or so, those goals are starting to go in. So they're catching a stride here. Yep. Third line starting to really cook something up here, to say the least. And even the fourth line, Vinny Hinner shows that came back in for Jeff Carter. That fourth line was pretty solid at five on five, only about five minutes at five on five ice time, but four shot attempts for, one shot attempt against, one scoring chance for, zero scoring chances against. Pretty solid stuff from that line. I would probably expect Jeff Carter to be a healthy scratch again to start this week against the Blue Jackets. But nice to see that fourth line continue to play at this level with Jeff Carter out of the lineup. But that'll do it for this second segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to do a quick look ahead to this massive week for the Penguins because there are some tough, and I mean tough, games after this one in Columbus. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Sleeper, which is the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can do this by yourself. You can do this with your friends. Heck, you can even do this with your family and you don't even have to do just hockey. You can do NFL, NBA, college football, and MLB when that starts up next year. And all you have to do is pick whether studs like Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, or Nathan McKinnon will record basically goals, assists. You can do plus minus if you want. If you pick any goalies, you can do saves. And you just do that in a given game. And to win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Penguins fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. Start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get out to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host Patrick Dam. So, big week 
coming up for the Penguins. A very tough week coming up for this team. Winners of four straight, seven and six overall. They start the week off with a game against the Blue Jackets in Columbus, which I'll always say PVG paints Arena West because they, hey. they just come there in buses, man. The fans. I, I've gone to a game there before, man, and it's the fans are awesome. Like I sat down and I was expecting to get like beer thrown at me. And they and I'm guessing I was probably sitting next to like some longtime season ticket holders, but they were like, "Oh, welcome! What are you What are you doing here? Why are you a Pens fan? Where are you coming from? Thanks for coming. This is so cool." And I was like, "No, shouldn't shouldn't you guys hate me? What What are we doing here?" That is kind of funny. It's not like Philadelphia or Washington or heck, even Madison Square Garden with the Rangers or anything like, anything like that. I've I've always said this is kind of like a big brother, little brother type rivalry, and it's played out like that. You know, honestly, since 2013, 14, when the Penguins had that first playoff series against them. I should say, but the Blue, Jack- Blue Jackets come into this game. They are bad, man. They're at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division right now. Four and seven and four. Lost nine over the last 10 games. Lost five in a row overall. They should have beaten the Rangers on Sunday night, to be honest. They were 11 seconds away from winning that game. Alexei Lafreniere ties it with 11 seconds left. Wins in a shootout. You know, good for him because he's actually finally starting to live up to being a number one pick in the draft. But the Blue Jackets, they've just been bad. And with how the Penguins have owned them over the years, that should be a win. There's no guarantees because there's no guaranteed win in the NHL, but that's a win that should be very gettable for the Penguins to make it five straight. After that, though, man, New Jersey comes to town on Thursday, and then you got a nice big back-to-back Carolina, and then Vegas comes to town. They go to Raleigh to play the Hurricanes on Saturday. Vegas comes to town on Sunday. I'll be at that game. It's kind of like a Late birthday present for my girlfriend. It's funny, I turned 26 on Wednesday. It's kind of creeped on me fast. I can't believe I'm going to be in my late 20s, but... Shut up. I, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But to say that this is a big week for this team will be a massive understatement with the level of talent that the Penguins are going to be playing up against. This is gigantic. There's no two ways about it, man. Uh, We're going to find out of- just how good this team is or how much they're back this week, I think. Yeah, and to kind of build off a little something you said at the end of the last segment, I do think if you want to give Jeff Carter some ice time, Tuesday night's the night to do it because Columbus is not a good team, and you can we probably get practice him. today. So we'll have to see what that's about. Yeah. But continue. But at the same time, I mean, you're going, and this isn't just this week. It's it's the next two weeks, man. This is going to be a real murderer's row, and we're going to find out what this hockey team is made of because, like you said. New Jersey comes to town Thursday. You go to Raleigh on Saturday. Vegas comes to town on Sunday. And then there is no rest for the wicked because next week, Rangers on Wednesday, Sabres again on Friday. And then regardless of their struggle, on Saturday night at home, you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs on the 25th. And I know everybody loves to dunk on them. I know they're struggling early, but that's still a very, very good hockey team with a lot of talent. and. If there's one thing Toronto can do more than any most teams in the league, it's score. And we've seen what this team's been like lately. It's been unpredictable. The defense has been up and down, and so has the goaltending. So a lot of teams that can score, a lot of teams that can skate. And we're going to find out, is this team a playoff team this year? Are they they back? Or are we going to have some serious questions about this team going into December? Right. And I think the Devils, they've started out a little, maybe a little slower than I thought they would, but we also have to put the caveat in here. Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes are both out right now. And if they do both miss that game, 
on Thursday, that is a big opportunity, Pat, for the Penguins to win that game against a team that, let's face it, they don't really beat the Devils that often at this point. They got swept by them last year. And even before that season, it's been rare these last couple of seasons where they beat the Devils. And the Devils have given them fits for a bit now with how fast they are. And again, yes, it's looking like both Hughes and Hishi are going to be out in both these games. But that you go into it, you still have to take care of that business. The Devils aren't just going to roll over despite not having two of their best players and especially their best player in Jack Hughes. That's still going to be a tough test even without them. And then they have the Hurricanes who are playing some really good hockey as of late. They had a little bit of a slow start to the year. They've woken up especially defensively. And then, of course, you have the Golden Knights. There's no Stanley Cup hangover in Vegas. They are kicking a lot of butt to start this year. And dare I say that's probably going to be the toughest test of the season yet for the Penguins with how good they've been. So this is a monstrous week. You've got the defending in the, in the next you know, um, 10 days, you've got two or three bona fide Stanley cup contenders in New Jersey, Carolina, and the Rangers. And then you've got the defending champions who look every bit like the champions on Sunday. And I know that we constantly say, don't overreact. Don't take too much out of a small sample size. And while all of that is true, when you're going up, against teams who have a legitimate shot at winning a championship and one who just did, that is a huge litmus test for your team. And we're going to find out just how good, or I don't want to say bad, but just how good this Penguins team is at the end of these next two weeks. I agree. And I also want to see how this team does against the Hurricanes. That's another team the Penguins got swept by last season. Both them and New Jersey. I want to see the Penguins actually beat both of those teams this year to show some signs of improvement against those two teams because they gave both of them fits last year. But really excited to see what happens this week. Pat and I are going to preview Tuesday's game against the Blue Jackets right around Tuesday morning, early afternoon, and then we'll recap that one on Wednesday. Really appreciate you listening to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Again, we'll preview that game on Tuesday tomorrow. Recap it Wednesday, get you all set for the Devils game on Thursday, recap them on Friday, and get you all set for a massive weekend for the Penguins. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday.